0: Another year, another all-time Chief is gone. Let's talk some Chiefs, guys. Welcome to the Chief in the North podcast, an emergency session. Uh, I'm your host, Minnesota Chiefs fan, or Seth Kaiser. Um, And like I said, this is a bit of an impromptu emergency session of the Chief in the North because... Uh, Well, it's an emergency, I guess, and at least in as much as any of this is ever really an emergency. Uh, Derek Johnson is going to be not a chief next year. He's going to be wearing some other uniform for some other team. He will assuredly be signed by someone, but the the team has made very clear that they're going to allow his contract to void. They're going to let him walk into free agency. Um, That's perfectly understandable. They're going to save themselves quite a bit of money against the cap. Uh, The amount, you know, at this point, it's not really necessary to really get into it. Uh, This isn't a salary cap conversation, uh, but along with Alex Smith being gone and Darrell Rivas being gone, you can see the Chiefs have gone from being in the red to now starting to get a good amount of room, and that could just continue. Um, I wanted to record a, a special edition of the Chief in the North to talk about DJ a little bit because DJ is a player that is very special to me. Um, him and Jamal Charles. Those are my two guys. Them and Eric Berry. Um, but Barry hasn't been around nearly as long. Uh, Derek Johnson was drafted in 2005. And 2005, right when he was drafted, I was 20 years old. Uh, I was single. And I, uh, <laughs> I, I hadn't met my wife. Didn't meet her for another two years. I was still you know, I thought I was at least in love with another gal. I wasn't in love. I was just, you know, young and selfish. But uh, I I was a, a party guy and, uh, you know, just a completely different life than I currently lead and an entire lifetime ago. None of my children were born yet. Um, I was working, I think, <laughs> I think I was a gas station attendant or something like that. I don't remember what I was doing. I've had all kinds of jobs. I've, I've, I've worked pretty much any job you can name. I've done some version of it. And um in between the time the Chiefs drafted Derek Johnson and the time he stopped being a chief I've 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 gotten married I've had five kids I've gone to endless hours of school for some reason I've joined the ministry I've become an attorney I've done all kinds of crazy things life is just completely different and and this is self indulgent of me to talk like this but this is the mindset I get in when when things like this happen is it, I often think about Life in general, when you've got like a player that's meant a lot to you that's gone, and well, not gone, gone, you know, just be on another team. And for me, what's interesting with Derek Johnson is that as Chiefs fans, we kind of got to see him grow up. We got to see him start off with this this young kid with the worlds of potential, of potential, incredible athlete. Um, But he wasn't quite what we had hoped for. He wasn't quite as good. He wasn't quite as consistent. And that was for years. We were kind of frustrated. And then when Todd Haley came to town and, you know, benched him, well, this is it. You know, it's finally coming to, we're going to finally have to come to terms with the fact that DJ's a bust and all this. And then we got to watch him uh, blossom into a star. And then not just a star, but a superstar. I mean, he became one of the best inside linebackers in the league. Mentioned right up there with Patrick Willis at the time, who's been gone for years now. Uh, that's how long DJ stuck around. And it was just cool watching him become a star um, around the time that I was starting to get my life together and starting to straighten up and fly right and starting to have kids, starting to take my career a little more seriously, you know, things like that. Um, And then, you know, he he had all these years of just being such an incredible run defender and such a good pass defender. And uh, then, you know, it's just interesting watching him finally slow down a little bit. It's just this, this whole, it's just interesting watching someone go through their entire cycle of their career. And it almost never ends that way where a guy who doesn't start off great becomes great. And that's what he did. And I think that's one reason why DJ is so special to me and so special to so many people because he fulfilled all those hopes that we had for him and we got to watch it happen and isn't that just one of the best things in sports when when hope comes to fruition um anyway I, I i just dj means a lot to me uh oddly enough as much as a sports figure can mean to someone and so i just wanted to to record this and talk about dj's legacy in kansas city a little bit um now my my two all-time favorite Chiefs, and yes, I mean, Tony Gonzalez was great, Derek Thomas was great, uh, you know, but we all have our own individual people for our own individual reasons. Um, my, my two all-time favorite Chiefs are no longer on the team. And um, the reason DJ was right up there with Jamal for me is kind of one of the same reasons he made the game beautiful in the way he played it. Now his way was much more violent than Jamal's way. But they were both utterly unique players. There's not any other any other inside linebacker like DJ. You can watch as much tape as you want. You won't find a guy who plays the position just like Derek Johnson. Um, his style was just unique, and I'll talk about that in a bit. And I want to talk about what this means for the team moving forward as well. Um, but first, I'm going to talk about DJ. There's there's a lot to think about with regards to what this means for the team. But again, first, I want to focus on DJ for a minute. He he he's just he's one of the best. Um, I I think if you take DJ at his absolute peak, you can stack him up against any linebacker, all time. Um, now, was his peak quite as long as I would have liked? Maybe not. Um, was he? Did he ever have that signature dominant defense that he was a part of? No, he didn't. And so I I don't think his name might. Get mentioned with some of the same guys because he happened to play for some bad Chiefs teams, and you know they didn't have a lot of postseason success. It just is what it is. Um, but you take the best of Derek Johnson and you match it up with anyone. I will take peak Derek Johnson. We're talking, you know, those those 2011 through 2014 years. I think he stacks up against literally any inside linebacker you want to pick. Um, you know, he maybe isn't quite as versatile as a few of them, but no one could go sideline to sideline like DJ and no one blew up running backs like DJ. Uh, he was an incredible run defender for a couple of years there. He was absolutely the best in the NFL at it. He was just so remarkable at it. Um, such a good player. And... I just, uh, what's remarkable about him is most great run defenders, as we all know, they're not great pass defenders, and he was. He, He was exceptional in coverage as well. Um, knocked down a bunch of passes, was able to cover guys. Later on in his career, became more of a zone guy, but an exceptional coverage player. He was just incredibly well-rounded, and he, he was just such a great player overall. He 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 could do everything, everything you needed. He he was also a smart player. He ran the defense. He just did everything he wanted, and he did it in such a unique fashion. Nobody did what he did. Nobody, it was like a running back would get the ball and it was like he dropped out of the sky or was teleported in front of him and they would tackle him for a couple of yards loss. And whether you were there live or whether you were watching the replay or whether you were watching the All-22, you're like, how did he do that? You'd have to re-watch it two or three times. Just, how did you do that? How did you get back there so quickly and manage to square up and bring the running back down? Nobody took out legs like DJ either. Um, just guy after guy, didn't matter who the running back was. When DJ appeared in the backfield, your legs were out from under you. You were going to get chopped down. Um, it was just such a unique style. He he got away with playing in a manner that, that inside linebackers aren't supposed to play. You're not supposed to avoid blocks, and that's what DJ did. You're not supposed to, to to at times not really play physical at the point of attack against blockers, but that's exactly what he did, and he got away with it. It was so, and that's what made him so impressive. It's kind of like why Willie Rofe is special to me is really, Willie Rofe did not do things the way you were supposed to, but he still dominated. And it's the same with DJ. Um, he just did things that you weren't supposed to do. He dodged and avoided blockers, but he did it so well that it was fun to watch. Um, you know, you couldn't necessarily, now you could watch a lot of tape of DJ in certain respects to show young linebackers how to play the position, but in a lot of ways you wouldn't want to do that because they couldn 't pull off what he did. He was so special, just an incredible athlete um, an all time chief in my opinion, and i don 't think that's an uncommon one. You can look up the stats you know you know when the chiefs released him or made clear they weren't bringing him back. They released his stats, you know the all time leader in tackles, you know over twelve hundred combined you know like roughly nine hundred and forty Solo, um, the all-time team leader in, in tackles. He he had a number of sacks. He had a number of picks. Had a number of touchdowns, fumbles forced. He did. He did everything. Statistically, he's an all-time chief. He really is. Um, but also just the unbelievable competitive drive that he brought. Um, just just such a great player. Uh, just no matter how bad the team was, DJ was always going 110 miles an hour, and he was just a privilege to watch. Um, he was just such an unbelievable competitor. I remember when he busted his, uh, when he tore his Achilles the second time, or the second Achilles, against the Oakland Raiders in one of the kind of, you know, what-ifs of his career. And there are a lot of what-ifs for him, unfortunately. 2016, you know, when DJ went down, that's when the run defense really started to tank. And I'll just never forget him sitting there on the field and popping his helmet off the moment that his, his Achilles tore. And he just looked disgusted. I mean, that the the pain he was in must have been incredible. But he just looked disgusted because he knew exactly what was going on. And he was such a competitor. He wasn't even in pain. He was just mad. He was just mad because he knew. He probably knew the Chiefs couldn't do it without him. And they couldn't. Um, I, just, I will never forget that for some reason. The look on his face. Just that disgusted, I cannot believe I won't be able to play this year look. Um, Just unbelievable competitor. Um, you know, there's going to always be a little bit of what if with DJ. You know, he did have a couple of unfortunate injuries that cost him parts of seasons. And, you know, the first few years of his career were mired in some inconsistency. Then, unfortunately, in his greatest years, you had some some failures in the playoffs. Never him. Never him. But uh, other players, I think it says something that the, the last play of DJ that I remember, well two of them in the playoffs, one was an incredible hit on Marcus Mariota, great, great, great play by DJ, and of course, because of circumstances, completely not his fault. The play wasn't as big a play as it should have been. And then the second one is near the end of the game when for just a split second we all thought that Marcus Peters had stripped the ball from Mariota and DJ was going to get a touchdown. It was too perfect an ending, too storybook an ending. Um, And such things rarely happen in sports, in real life at least. Um, It says something, those two plays, while fun to watch, there's a little bit of, of poignancy in them. And... I think that reflects a lot of what we saw in DJ's career. There's greatness, but there's some poignancy there that maybe it could have been just a little bit more. Not because of him, never because of him, but because of circumstances outside his control. Um, you know, he, he's he's a great, great player, and I'm just so privileged to have watched him, and so are you. Um, what we're seeing now is the end of an era in Kansas City. Um Dwayne Bo's been gone for a few years, Jamal Charles is gone, now DJ is gone, Dustin Colquitt's a free agent, Tom Bahali is very, very likely gone. Um Alex Smith doesn't really belong in that group because he was only there for five years. But we're seeing a distinct end to an era where a lot of guys my age, you know, if you're if you're thirty or so, you know, maybe between say I don't know. I mean really if you're if you're my age or younger I mean, these are the guys you kind of grew up watching a little bit, not as a child, but like when you really started to get football a little bit, you know. Maybe you got football a little sooner, and so you think more of like the Priest-Holmes years and stuff. But I mean, man, DJ's been around forever, and it's just the end of an era in Kansas City. Um, The team that we're going to see next year is going to look very different from the team as it was just a few years ago, where the Stalwarts were Colquitt and Tomba and Jamal and even Dwayne Bowe and DJ. These were the guys that had been here for years. And it's just going to be a very different-looking team. A very, very, very different-looking team. I'm excited to see what happens next. But, there's again, there's just always some poignancy. You know, the, the only thing certain about life is change, right? And change happens. And this is – I was talking to my sons when I told them about Derek Johnson, and they were kind of sad. And I just said, this is what happens. Um players move on, you know, they retire or they go to a different team. That's pretty much the only two options there. And so there, again, there's some sadness, but I, I hope, I hope DJ has the best of luck going forward. I hope he finds a place to contribute. And, um, I just, I'm so appreciative getting to watch him play 13 years. Um, a great, great, great player. I hope he makes it to Canton one day. He'll obviously be in the ring of honor at Arrowhead one day. um, we're gonna take a quick break and then I want to talk about kinda of briefly because I'm I'm bummed to be honest. But I want to talk about briefly what I think this means for the Chiefs moving forward and where things are gonna go next. So we're gonna talk about that yeah, right after this. Alright, we're talking Derek Johnson. He's he's out. And so what now? You know, we've we've kind of eulogized DJ's time in Kansas City, a player who means so much to me. But now what? Um What's next for the Chiefs and, and Brett Veach? Well, I mean, DJ said, and when he spoke with Therese Paler, he said they are looking to go young. This is something that Sam Mellinger wrote about, and I think he was absolutely right. The Chiefs are looking to go young, and I think they're going to keep doing it. Um, to me, the fact that DJ is gone, I think Tamba we all knew, was going to happen, but I think there could be more cuts coming here. Um now, obviously, there aren't a lot of guys on the defense that, or offense that are uh, DJ's age, besides Dustin Colquitt, but I think you're going to see a major movement towards youth. Um, I, I, I think Dustin Colquitt's probably gone, um, I, even though punter's a bit of a unique situation, unless he's willing to take pretty low pay. Um, I think Tom was gone. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Ron Parker and even Alan Bailey. Now, Alan Bailey's only 28 right now. So I wouldn't plug him into the whole youth movement thing. And remember, they signed Darrell Revis for a year last year. Remember, they're, they're keeping Justin Houston. They're keeping Eric Berry. So it's not like they're only going with young guys. But there's definitely a new direction the Chiefs are going. It very much feels to me like there's, they're, 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 they're kind of hitting the reset button. Over the last couple of years, the, there was the roster that Dorsey had assembled, that John Dorsey had assembled, and because of various decisions he'd made contractually, they really couldn't do much with that roster, um, other than maybe churn the bottom of it, because they were stuck in free agency. And I'm just going to be honest, you know, as we've looked at the salary cap situation this year, we've looked at how some of the players have developed or not developed, the farther we get from the John Dorsey era, the more you can see, okay, he did a good job, but it wasn't quite the... The ridiculously awesome job we thought he did, especially now that you know you get guys like Eric Fisher getting paid huge amounts of money, the 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 the, the cap hits and the contracts with DJ and Tomba were real backbreakers for a while there. Um, it just led to some issues, but now it feels like they're trying to okay, new quarterback. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to hit the reset button here. I think you're going to see a drastic shakeup on the defense. I really do. With the with the quotes that we've heard, and I've talked about this before, from Clark Hunt and from Andy Reid, they seem to be settled on, it wasn't a Bob Sutton problem, it was a talent problem. And I think you're going to see some pretty serious shakeups on defense. We've already already obviously already seen that with Fuller. And then two guys that saw a ton of snaps down the stretch, DJ and Revis, are gone. And so I think you're going to see some real changes here. At inside linebacker, I'm going to be interested to see what they do. Right now, the guys they have on uh, on the roster are Reggie Ragland, who I'm very comfortable with seeing a ton of snaps, but he's not necessarily a, a coverage linebacker. Although, I'm curious how much they might ask him to do. I think it's a little overstated that he can't do it. He looked okay in zone to me. He's not fast, but he knows where to be. And that's 99% of the fight with a linebacker, unless you're Looking for a guy to have like a Luke Keekley or a Derek Johnson role. Uh, most linebackers aren't expected to be that great in coverage. And then you've also got a ligue who I think has a lot of potential. He's got speed, he's, he, he's quick, he really popped when playing with the guys in preseason but he didn't really do much to stand out during the regular season. So we'll see. And then obviously there's Kevin Pierre Lewis who people I think they might bring back, but I don't know for 100% certainty. He's got some misdemeanor charges against him. We'll see. I personally think he played just well enough to bring back, and I'd be yeah, I'd be okay with it because again, with KPL and Ragland, you'd basically have the rotation that they had for a lot of the season last year, and you could maintain that same level of play at least, because KPL and Raglan both, in my opinion, outplayed DJ Byron Large last year. And so you could at least maintain and stay at the same level by getting KPL. Um, Zach Brown with the Redskins is a is a free agent. I think he'd be a good signing. I think he's a guy that could come in and help you out. Maybe Todd Davis from the Broncos. There's a few there's a few decent looking inside linebackers that they could go to the well to get to where I think they could provide a steady presence that would be Perhaps an upgrade over to what DJ brought a lot of last year because, you know, I'm not going to talk too much about this. But DJ's play dropped off last year. Father time caught up to him. That second Achilles tear was a little too much. He had lost a bunch of steps. He just wasn't who he was, and that's okay. I mean, that happens. I'm hope you know maybe maybe the uh, maybe another year removed from the Achilles injury, and he'll look better next year, and the Chiefs will feel silly. I kind of hope they do. You know, I really do. Cause it would be cool to see him flying around a little more, even if it's in another uniform, provided it's not like, you know, the Raiders, or the Broncos. Cause I will, I don't know, kick a puppy. I don't know something. I won't be happy. And so, um, it's not going to, and I, again, I don't want to say this sounding whatever, but it's not going to take too much to replace DJ's production right now. You could again, sign KPL. And I think you replace DJ's production. um, And then I think if you get like a Zach Brown, I think you improve on it. I think it's actually an improved linebacker group because Zach Brown played at a significantly higher level than DJ did last year, as did a number of guys that are hitting free agency. If you go to over the cap or spot track, you'll see all the guys that are hitting free agency. And there's quite a few of them who could help fill the void that DJ is leaving. Um, They are going to need someone who can be on the field on passing downs. But to me, that need is a little overstated because they were not asking DJ to do the same things they used to last year he didn't have the range for it anymore frankly I think Raglan was just as fast as him at this point well maybe not quite that fast but he just had slowed down quite a bit he wasn't what he was in coverage so I'm not too worried about them what I would like to see them do if they sign KPL they can maintain it inside linebacker and then improve The rest of the defense. Because I'm not seeing, other than Zach Brown, I'm not seeing a guy who's going to come in and light it up at inside linebacker, I don't think. And even Brown, I don't think he'd light it up. I think he might be able to provide some improvement. I think there's a number of guys that could provide a little improvement, but they're not going to be stars. And so I don't think you look to make the inside linebacker the fulcrum of your defense again. I think you need competent play. That's it. It's all they need there. And then look to improve the defensive line in the secondary. And I'm hoping that's the direction they go. Now, hey, if they go out and get a stud somehow, great. If they address it in the draft and land a stud that way, awesome. Um, You know, would I... I be thrilled that they somehow traded up and got, you know, Raquan Smith. Well, yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. I think I said his name right, that that Georgia backer. Yeah, he'd be a stud. But at this point, I want competency there. They've got, they're improving the secondary. It looks like they're doing a little addition by subtraction, and they added Fuller. And now I want to see them add to the defensive line and just maintain competency at inside linebacker. Um, you know, th- there's just so many directions this could go. You know, just on a, on a final note here, and again, this is an emergency uh, session of the Chief in the North, so it's relatively short. There's a lot of directions they could go here, and this move, even though it's expected, is another sign that, um, you know, the fact that they didn't choose to try to bring him back, you know, Therese Paler reported that he was willing to be flexible, he was willing to bend on contract stuff, and the Chief said, no thanks, but thanks, but no thanks. And so clearly the Chiefs are not looking to maintain the status quo here. They are looking to be aggressive. And that's what it seems like. That's what it has seemed like to me this whole time. Um, but the, the, the Rivas move, the safe conservative move was to hang on to Rivas because he played well enough in coverage. He was kind of, yeah, he was all right. That you could, you could justify keeping him over the unknown. Or over having like Steven Nelson as your third guy because, well, I don't know, you you need that fourth steady guy. You know, that, that that was a risky move. With DJ, yes, he slowed down a ton, but that locker room leadership, the safe move was to keep him. They the safe move is to keep Alex Smith. They are playing aggressive here. And for the first offseason in multiple off seasons, there are a million directions this thing could go. With DJ gone now, the, the, the cap situation changes significantly um which you know a lot of people have talked about a lot of times and so there's no need to uh you know get into this you know repeatedly over exactly what's happening or you know who you know exactly how much money there is this that and the other thing um you can find all that stuff really check out over the cap seriously it is just one of the most fun fun sites to use but if you take a look at the uh at the cap calculator, you can start to see what's happening here. You know, they're starting to create some room with uh with with Alex Smith traded and then with uh with 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 DJ now gone. There's just a few things are um in place as it were to start to set the stage for a much more aggressive off-season than what we've seen. And I personally I'm excited to see it. I, I really am. I'm very sad about DJ. I, I'm, I'm just legitimately bummed that he won't be around. But there are some things that could happen here. And I don't even know. I, I seriously, there's nothing they could do that could surprise me at this point. Wouldn't surprise me if they, you know, picked up Muhammad Wilkerson off the street. It wouldn't surprise me if they went all in with a few other guys, you know, as rentals. Wouldn't surprise me if they stood pat in the secondary. There's just nothing would surprise me. But it looks like they're going to be aggressive. The only thing that would be surprise me is if they weren't aggressive at all. And so because of that, I'm excited moving forward. Even though I'm bummed about DJ, because again, the the off season ch- choices here, they just. They're all over the place, and nothing could really surprise me. Well, that's that's what I've got for you. Again, this has been a short episode, mostly because I just wanted to talk about DJ a little bit and then where things are at moving forward. I'm excited to see what happens next. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's a bittersweet time to be a Chiefs fan, but it is still a good time to be a Chiefs fan because the possibilities in front of the Chiefs right now are endless, and that has not been the case the last few seasons. So I appreciate you guys listening. Um, this is uh, this has been the Chief in the North, the land of ten thousand takes. Make sure to subscribe and rate and review and all that fun stuff. And you're going to be seeing a lot more of kind of these little mini podcasts like this, um, at least during the off season. I'm going to be posting a few more here and there just to kind of just to be a little more present, just because, hey, what else are we going to do? It's the off season. All right, guys, thanks again for listening. You, uh, you know, try to appreciate the Chiefs who are left because, hey, this is how it all ends, right? Well, you know, and, hey, just in case he hears this, thanks, DJ. You are a, you are a great player. You are a great player. All right, thanks for listening, guys, and I'll talk to you again soon.